BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time in the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Or shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers. Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith. Trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Take your pixie out of your pocket and fly away with me, your Spider Pan, host of the Neverland Podcast. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust, get your happiest thoughts. We have so much going on this week that I really need to get to it. Because, uh, of course, Marvel's Captain America Civil War came out, and, of course, I saw the movie. I've got a review for you. And Eric and I sat down to discuss the comic book version of Marvel's Civil War. And, my goodness, we talked longer than I expected us to, so we've got so much coming. And, of course, we are going to take a ride in a Disney ride. In fact, how about Big Thunder Mountain Railroad from 2015? I thought that would be fun. And also, we are we are going to experience the Neverland story time because we enjoy our stories. And we didn't get to have one last week because we did a very special episode, and I hope you very much enjoyed that last week. Uh, but we got to get going on this. It's an all-Marvel freakout this week, so let's get going with my review of Captain America Civil War. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Ready to move it? Yeah! 
So Marvel Studios, Captain America Civil War. Uh, this feels like it's been a long time coming. This really did build a lot uh, from Avengers Age of Ultron and also from Avengers and also the previous Captain America, the Winter Soldier. It did take a lot of that. And also, you know, from 10 years ago when Marvel had the actual Civil War storyline in the comics. And, of course, it, it, it brought a lot of this together. There were elements of... Of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe used to kind of put a different spin on the Civil War tale of the Marvel Comics. In the Marvel Comics, you had a Superhuman Registration Act that, that was exclusive to the United States from an incident uh, which basically caused a lot of human casualties. Uh, there's, you know, 600 children are killed and a school is, is blown up uh, by a supervillain with some careless heroes. You'll, you'll get to hear more about that later. But the the movie uses that same type of thing, and the catalyst for Tony Stark's kind of his his way of of choosing his side on this whole thing also does just like in the comics deal with his meeting with a mother whose son has died 
because of something not going correctly, you know, because uh, of a, a casualty in one of the battles the Avengers have had. Uh, and so I, they, 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 there are really a lot of throwbacks to the actual Civil War. But that is not the main story going on in this movie. This just – it sets a backdrop and it connects it to the rest of the Marvel Universe and everything that's been going on. The main story here is that, you know, of course we know Bucky, the Winter Soldier, is slowly coming back to himself. And there's a new player in the game. Helmut Zemo. Now, for the Marvel fans, you're going to know, oh, oh, Baron Zemo. We know who that is. Well, he is in there, and he's causing some trouble for the Winter Soldier, and he, of course, seems to be under the motivation that he just wants to watch the world burn. But he does have some motives for what he's doing. But uh, there's this entire villain plot going on, and of course, Captain America is, it's his movie, so he's the one who's trying to go after this plot. But one of his complications is that instead of just, you know, in the comics, they're like I said, it was a United States thing. This is the United Nations. This is the world who has set up a sanction now where they want the heroes to be accountable for their actions. They want to have them reporting to somebody, somebody who's going to basically decide when they're allowed to go in and do something and when they're not, which is one of Captain America's problems with it. It's like, well, what happens when we are needed, but somebody tells us that we can't go? Uh, and it's it's a very valid point. Uh, so you, you do can't kind of, you can see both point of view. I mean, you, you understand Tony Stark, you know, with, with how he's been presented in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we have seen where he doesn't like to not have massive weapons with no accountability. That's why he stopped making weapons. And so now he sees that, oh my goodness, we've become that same thing. We are like mass weapons of destruction, and we have no accountability to anyone. And so you kind of understand where he's coming from. And, you know, he's really not the villain of this. Uh, he's causing problems for Captain America, and he's getting in his way because Captain America is trying to uncover this this new plot that's going on. And uh, it's it all converges, and it's a, a lot of things going on, a lot of interesting good character stuff. And it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. It's it's another, you know, political spy thriller like we got with Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, so, you know, twists and turns going along and a lot of great characters. I mean, this is, almost was an Avengers movie, except we do have some focus on Captain America and what he's trying to do. But because of the ramifications of what's going on, it does affect everybody in the Marvel Universe. And I have to definitely uh, give some props out to uh, some of the new actors in here. Uh, uh, the actor who's playing, now let me look him up. There he is, Chadwick Boseman, who plays T'Challa, the Black Panther. Oh my goodness, he was phenomenal. Uh, and this is very exciting to, you know, to, to have another new character brought in and to have him play such a prominent role, uh, and, and being played so very well. Really, this does get you excited for the Black Panther solo film. And there are two scenes to watch after the credits. Of course, they have the, Sort of what would be the opening credits at the end. There is a scene there, but after they've rolled the credits, stick around for yet another scene. And you want to see both of them, because both of them are really setting up some solo films for both Spider-Man and Black Panther. Which we knew were coming, but it's kind of nice to see that little nod that way. Uh, and really great casting, and you know, I I wanted to see what Tom Holland was going to be like. I've been hearing a lot of uh, good things about his portrayal of Spider-Man, and I must say, I did enjoy it. Uh, you know, his voice seems, you know, young to me, and I, you know, 
I kind of wanted like an older Spider-Man, but I think they presented it very well. Uh, they they wrote Spider-Man very well, uh, also, uh, you know, with the quips and uh, even some jokes about, okay, you realize you're in a fight. Why are you talking so much and making all these jokes and stuff? You know, because that's what Spidey kind of does. Uh, but presented him very well. Uh, living in Queens, we do get to see Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. And there are plenty of jokes of like uh, expecting her to have been older. <laughs> they, uh, I, I don't want to get in too far on that. I don't want to ruin any of the fun. But yes, they do acknowledge that Aunt May seems to get younger every film, you know, and the look of her. There is one, well, a couple of things that I would consider a flaw here. I don't feel it was really explained how Tony Stark was able to find Peter Parker Spider-Man. Uh, they have where he shows some footage of, look, this Spider-Man has been swinging around here. Oh, that, that's you. Well, how does Tony know that? And I know apparently somebody has asked one of the directors or something, and I saw an article on the, on the internet, and it he didn't explain it very well. So, oh, well, Tony Stark has his resources and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's not a good enough excuse for me. I'm sorry. I need a little bit more than that. The other thing I really didn't like also involving Spider-Man is, you know, somebody correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I don't have, I think, a single Spider-Man comic where I remember him swearing. And he cusses. And I just seemed out of character for Spider-Man. Or to even, and they do it as a joke. At this one point, I don't want to tell you what's happening that causes him to swear. I kind of feel, though, that sticking it in there, it, it breaks away with what we know for Spider-Man's character. Uh, but I think they're trying to bring in maybe the Deadpool audience a little bit because a lot of people have considered Deadpool to be a foul mouth version of Spider-Man as far as personality, as far as being in a fight and making fun jokes and stuff like that. And I don't really think that it's, that's necessary. Just let Spider-Man be who he is. Um, and they really, I think they, they did develop the character and what they've shown of him. They do have Spider-Man being who he is. There is no Uncle Ben. I figure, I'll, I guess a lot of people are going to be tired and don't want to say the whole Uncle Ben thing. It's like, yes, yes, we know. Great power, great responsibility. But they almost pretend it doesn't happen. Uh, there is a, a moment where Tony Stark does ask Peter why he is doing what he does. And Peter kind of gives a similar speech, but basically comes down, boils down to at least great power and great responsibility. But there, he could have at least, you know, said, well, you know, uh, I failed to, to act and my uncle paid for it because I chose not to do something, you know, something like that would have been okay. You know, just mention, you can't just gloss over it. That is a founding principle on who Spider-Man is. Um, so I mean, there's a few things that I, like I said, I could complain about, but overall the movie is fantastic. If you have read the Marvel storyline of Civil War, there's a few throwbacks. There is even a great speech that Captain America had given in the comics that is used in the film. And you'll hear this later when I'm talking to Eric. I did uh, read it directly from the comics, and I was glad it was brought out in the movie. Uh, overall, not much to complain about here. Great film. Well acted. Uh, I still don't like shaky camera. Uh, there's a little bit of shaky camera going on with a few chases at the beginning, but it, it seems to calm down as we get uh, like a fight between the, the, the two sides at an airport. Uh, but the... Civil War or the registration, you know, seems to only set a background and has a story of its own going on, but it sets a, a background in an area for in the Marvel Universe for the Captain America story to take place of what's going on with him and uh, trying to get Bucky back. And 
some a new player in the game. Like I said, Helmut Zemo does show up, and he's got his own plot and uh, some espionage going on. And uh, they really, I think, left it open. I think I think we can expect to see Baron Zemo more in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I almost thought for at one point they were going to have a little throw in with some Inhumans, but that is not the case. Uh, but I don't want to tell you what made me think Inhumans because I don't want to spoil anything. But definitely, if you haven't seen this, go see it. If you have seen it, go see it again. Uh, this definitely is right on par with uh, all the best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This was fantastic. And, well, that's what I think. You know what? The next thing I think, though, is let's go take a ride at a Disney Park. Let's take a ride at a Disney Park. Let's take a ride right now. Oh, oh.
This is your Neverland story time. You can listen along with your MP3 device. You will know it is time to listen when you hear the chime like this. Let's begin now. Did you read this morning's paper? Somebody broke into the museum last night and stole that early Spanish painting, the one believed to be in El Greco. What a shame, before I even had a chance to see it. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me about it, Henry? Henry, did you hear me? Come have your breakfast, dear. Your coffee's getting cold. Henry? Henry? What's keeping him? I'd better take a look. Late afternoon of the same day at Homicide Police Headquarters. The coroner's report says the bullet was a lead ball fired from an antique handgun. And the victim's left ear was sliced off by a sharp blade of some kind. Yeah, and pinned to the body together with a note reading, this is only the beginning. Beginning? Beginning of what? Who knows? All I know is we got a real psycho to deal with. As though the plain, ordinary, everyday, made in the USA kind of nuts aren't enough. Hello, Corelli here. What? Yeah. Yeah, I got it. I'll be right over. Well, he wasn't kidding about the beginning. You mean? Right. Our psycho got himself another pinup boy. The next morning at an art lecture at the university, one cannot help but admire certain achievements of the Aztecs. Their temple pyramids, aqueducts, public buildings, and causeways. Mr. Parker. Huh? What? Oh! Mr. Parker, forgive me for this rude interruption of your siesta. <laughs> but in the interest of art, and with your kind permission, I should like to continue this lecture, if I may. Oh, sure. Go right ahead. <laughs> Thank you. To continue, consider now the famous Aztec calendar stone. A primitive yet ingenious concept for measuring time based on astronomical calculations. Well, it seems like time here has run out. In more ways than your primitive minds could ever imagine. I shall continue with this subject on Monday. Uh, Professor Cornovan? Yes? Professor, I'm Captain Corelli, Homicide, New York Police. What can I do for you, Captain? We're trying to find out if there's any connection between the theft of a painting from the museum two days ago and the murder of three prominent New Yorkers which followed. Three? I only heard about two. Parker, what are you doing here? I'm taking Professor Cordovan's course. Saw you come in. Uh, you said three murders? Who's the third? H. Llewellyn Fitzwilliams, art collector. Just happened, sometime before dawn this morning. Hmm. The second was Cyrus M. Talborn, art critic. Right. And the first was Henry Wallingford Jones, curator of the museum. I heard about the last two. Most tragic. As assistant to Mr. Jones, I was closely associated with him. A fine gentleman. I am devastated. 
You and he appear to be the only ones who have actually seen the stolen painting, the El Greco. Uh, can you tell us anything about it? Indeed I can. First of all, it was not an El Greco, but the work of an unknown 16th century artist. Then it isn't particularly valuable. Oh, I should say it's worth no more than a thousand dollars, perhaps two. Well, there goes my theory about a million dollar ransom demand. Say, tell me, Professor, whose portrait was it? Uh, anyone important? Not particularly. Uh, just a soldier in the army of Cortez, conqueror of Mexico, entitled the Conquistador. Wow. The look in his eyes when he said that. And why is my spider sense tingling all of a sudden? Well, thanks anyway, Professor. Even though it leaves me where I was, right back on square one. Suddenly, Professor, you interest me. And if the captain doesn't call on you, someone else will. Namely, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Late that night in the dim-lit ballroom of the run-down old mansion where Professor Corbin lives alone. Look at this place. Looks more like a museum than home sweet home. All those old paintings on the wall and suits of armor standing all around it. Uh-oh, here comes somebody. Well, bless my buttons and call me Columbus. Look at that. Professor Cordova, all dressed up like a Spanish knight of old. Suit of armor, helmet, sword and all. He stopped in front of that painting. Can't quite make out what it is. What do you know? A life-size portrait of the conquistador. And will you look at that? He's a dead ringer for the professor. History will record that you, my noble ancestor, crushed the inferior races of Mexico like insects beneath your feet. For the greater glory of Spain. He's talking to the picture. But it will further record that I, Ricardo Don Diego de Cordovan, officer in the army of the great Cortez, will conquer all the Americas. Bravo, Don Diego. Spider-Man. And just how does the great conquistador plan to do that little thing? You dare mock the conquistador? He really believes that's who he is. He's flaky as a flea on a flagpole. Uh, no offense, er, uh, excellency? Uh, just curious as to your plan of conquest. Since you already know more than is good for you, it will not matter if you know the rest. In a series of brilliantly planned executions, I shall remove the leaders of your decadent society and proclaim myself governor general. You're so modest, Excellency. I have already eliminated three who scoffed at my dreams. So you're the pinup killer. Executioner, not killer. And now, by order of El Conquistador, you, Spider-Man, are next. He's out of his tree. Do you prefer the sword or a bullet in the head? I'll take vanilla, if you don't mind. Insolent dog, then die the death of a dog. You missed, Excellency. With that ancient pistol, you couldn't hit City Hall at ten paces. Then the sword of Cortez will silence that foul tongue. Naughty, naughty. I think I better take that pig sticker away from you with my special pig sticker remover web shot number 13, like this. Now, why not give up on this project and come with me to a nice, friendly neighborhood psychiatrist and... The ultimate insult. But disarmed and dishonored, I have no choice but to surrender. That's better. Here, take my hand and we'll walk out together. Uh, oh, aha! And now with my bare hands, I shall crush the light from your worthless body! Oh, I sure goofed this time. He's got the super strength of a madman. And with those spikes on his armor, I'm done for if I don't get loose. Fast! I feel weak. I gotta make one last... Oh, free. That's better. 
There is no escape for you, Montezuma. Montezuma? He's living the 16th century all over again. You shall die, and your Aztecs shall be my slaves, serving the glory of Spain for a thousand years. He's completely mad. Gotta end this mercifully right now with my extra strong 18x webbing like so. I kill you! I kill you, slave! I kill you! I kill you! Yeah, Corelli here. Oh, Dr. Rialdo. Yeah. Uh, too bad. Okay, thanks for the call. Uh, what's the word, Captain? You again, Parker. Don't you do anything but hang around police stations and cut out paper dolls. Temper, temper, Captain. Must control ourselves. Ah, okay. You can tell your editor that Professor Cordovan has been pronounced hopelessly insane. Then the case of the Conquistador is closed, right? Right. And now, will you leave me in peace, please? Sure, Captain. I only aim to please. To Disney and beyond. Okay, so now that we've talked a little bit about Captain America Civil War, we need to talk about what this movie was uh, partially based off of, which was Marvel's major Civil War event. And there are some some major differences for those of you that have seen the movie that you will notice uh, with the Marvel Civil War and the way things went in the comics, um, especially with whose side some people were on, there were some definite differences. But I had to get somebody else on there who, uh, of course, has a big collection of comics, even digital ones. I had to bring in Lost Boy Eric to uh, help talk about this. Hi, Eric. Eric Warren. Eric, 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 Eric Warren. Everyone, how's it going? Well, hopefully it's going good because it was a, a heck of a weekend. Oh, uh, wow, I mean, this, yes. This movie is, uh, I tell you what, it's its a good one. A big box office and getting a chance to really to go back into the Marvel comics to reread these was kind of fun this week. Oh, definitely, definitely. Now, you're, you've are you got me at a disadvantage, though. I haven't yet seen Captain America Civil War, but I am so excited to look uh, into, you know, the inspiration in some ways for the movie and uh, take a look back at Marvel Civil War from 1990 or I'm sorry from 2006. 2006. Can you believe it's been 10 years already? Yeah, it is incredible, but you know, the the, the events in Civil War, there's a lot of stuff leading up to it in just the months before it, but even the history between Cap and Iron Man uh in the years from the formation of the Avengers up until Civil War was really interesting and uh, interesting to see how everything played out with uh, this story from Mark Miller. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I granted, I, I did try to collect as many of the different comics dealing with this. Uh, it's one of the few times with a summer event that I put this much effort into collecting because mm-hmm. it was very interesting. Uh, and there is a comic where you have Captain America and Iron Man go into the old original Avengers mansion and just – talk about how long they've known each other and how Captain America actually taught Iron Man how to fight and says, well, you can't really, really just rely on the armor. You need to know how to be able to fight yourself. Uh, and so he actually had taught him some things and uh, they, they tried to, I guess, reach some sort of middle ground agreement or something at that time. It says, you know, well, you know, next time we meet, this is, I mean, this is going to be thrown down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, come on, take away the armor. What's Tony Stark? Yeah, uh, millionaire, philanthropist, entrepreneur, <laughs> <laughs> and skilled fighter, thanks to Captain America, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
which uh, they really do deal with Captain America's skill in the comics. Uh, my goodness, getting to reread this. And, of course, I mainly re- reread this from Spider-Man's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I'm a Spider-Man fanatic anyway. So, uh, And that's part of what I was most excited for with the film was, was Spider-Man being in there. Uh, because in the comics, I mean, Spider-Man is uh, – he's almost the glue that, that, that runs in between the entire story. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. with, with whose side that he was on and he's the one character that actually switched sides halfway through. Mm-hmm. And so following I, his arc, you really get the emotion of the story. Oh yeah. You know, definitely his B plot storyline is, uh, you know, very important to the overall story of civil war and, you know, the ramifications from what happened to him in this story, Ooh. even continue to into the comics today. We're still dealing with the fallout from Civil War 10 oh, years yeah. later. Uh, yeah, because every way they've tried to fix what they got wrong and they just make a bigger mess. <laughs> <laughs> but really, uh, boy, the road to Civil War, when you follow Spider-Man's story, uh, it really almost kind of begins with uh, an encounter with a character known as the Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this... This became important, and I'm, I'm glad I, I just recently got a chance to read this in Spectacular Spider-Man, where this this weird, and I'll call it Captain America age character, uh, she hadn't been around, but they invented this backstory that she had been part of some early experiments uh, to create other superhuman type of people, uh, and somehow or another was still alive and young in the modern age, but she managed to uh, cause Peter's mutation to go a little further uh, and when he came out of it, he had organic web shooters, which – or no, well, not real web shooters, but he had organic webs, which I had missed this story because there, there is actually one point where I, you see Peter bare-armed fire a web. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it completely threw me when I, me- I remember when I first saw that comic. I was like, wait a minute. Where did this come from? Now, that's uh, the other storyline, right? Uh, no, the other actually came later. He got even oh. more powers. The other I, – unfortunately, I'm missing a lot of those issues. Uh, that was a return of Morlin. And mm-hmm. Spider-Man actually broke out of his own body. That's actually yeah, the second yeah, time that's... this happened because with the Queen, he actually mutated into a full spider mm. and then broke out of the out of the spider body. <laughs> it was freaky, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, but it's kind of important to note that they were they were following, you know, from the movies. They kind of got the idea. Well, hey, you know, organic webs might work. And so they gave him that ability. Uh, which did kind of change things, but like the three issues before the Civil War, and this is very fascinating uh, to to go back and remember. Uh, you know, the new the the, the Queen storyline actually took took place during an Avengers disassembled, which I did not follow that storyline. Did you? You know, I I didn't. I, I tangentially know about it and know some of the fallout uh, that basically led to the Avengers breaking up. Uh, led to the death of uh, one character and led to uh, really screwing up another character uh, <laughs> as a result. But, uh, you know, it's Brian Michael Bedness. Uh, enough said. Yeah. He's a very entertaining writer, but he does like to stir the pot. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But, uh, you know, we, we can certainly see that leading up into uh, – into Civil War, there was a lot of discord and a lot of, you know, issues facing these characters as, uh, you know, as we approach and as uh, 
we come to what happens in Stamford, Connecticut. Yep. But before Stamford, Connecticut, now this is what was interesting. So you've got, after the, the disassembling of the Avengers, you had the new Avengers, and Spider-Man is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony really kind of takes Peter under his wing. He considers him a young scientist, a brilliant mind, and in some ways is almost a father figure to him. Uh, kind of, you know, he lets Aunt May and MJ move into the, the, the Stark building of basically the Avengers Tower. And so they're all together. And Aunt May even is kind of a little sweet on Jarvis because Jarvis, newsflash, is not a computer program. He was a live human, an older gentleman. And, mm-hmm. you know, May really kind of took to him. They were kind of getting along really well. But so, you know, so Peter really is getting on with Tony. And Tony is, of course, able to just summon him and like, hey, Peter. But uh, he hires Peter actually to work for him now to be his right hand man and says, well, we got to go to Washington. There's something uh, that we need to go deal with. And I'll fill you in when we get there. Mm-hmm. But he, he at that time is when he gives and it's ep- uh, episode, I said, <laughs> issue 529, <laughs> the first appearance of the Iron Spider suit. Uh, Tony crafts for him. I mean, this thing can listen to police bands. It's got some bulletproof places. Uh, I mean, it's really a step for, up for Spider-Man. Uh, but this kind of is a, a crucial moment because Peter, uh, throughout the course of this, was hard to wonder if, okay, so this thing is feeding me all this information. How much information about me is it feeding Tony? Right. He starts to question that as it goes on. But the interesting thing is when they're in Washington, Tony is actually there testifying before a uh, like a Senate committee against registration and has mm-hmm. very valid arguments. He's very adamant against it. Oh, definitely. And it's, it's very interesting. He even goes through and, you know, Peter doesn't find out about this. He's so desperate to try to stop this thing that he actually, because everybody thinks Iron Man and Tony Stark at this time are two separate people, he's gone to great lengths to convince people he's not Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, in his Iron Man armor, had hired one of his own enemies, the Titanium Man from Russia, to come and attack Tony Stark. And so Spider-Man manages to deal with him, kind of runs the guy off, and... You know, Tony Stark uses that to say, uh, look, did you hear Titanium Man? We've got a recording of him actually saying during this encounter that he wants this to pass because then it's, 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 you'll have your government hunting down all the heroes and it'll be a villain's heyday. We, all of us villains, even in foreign countries, will just come to America because you will have no one to stop us. And right. that is what actually pauses things. And, they, and so everybody dealing with the registration says, OK, we may not – we may just have to back off on this. It's probably not a good idea. But then comes the incident you were talking about. Exactly. Now, uh, growing up, you know, I knew of the New Warriors. Uh, I actually have a copy of Speedball number one. So uh, a lot of the characters from that I, you know, I'm familiar with and I know uh, a bit about. But um, apparently they are uh, – they have their own reality show at this point, and because who doesn't? <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and it's the mid two thousands. You know, uh, reality TV is all the rage. And, you know, within our re- reality here, so why not Nurse Six One Six? Yeah, but anyhow, it starts with uh, Speedball leading the New Warriors with Namorita, and uh, they Night uh, Thrasher. Um, Oh, yes. How can you forget about Night Thrasher, man? (laughs) He's got a different costume than what I've got a Marvel card of him, and he looks very different in this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do find it interesting that Dark Hawk is not part of the New Warriors, because I know at one point he was back uh, in his earlier days. And those of you playing Disney Infinity and Marvel Battlegrounds might be familiar with Dark Hawk now, because they did make a disc for him, and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Anyway, go on. (laughs) But but it's funny because, you know, they're, you know, saying, oh, I need to record that line a second time. (laughs) Yeah. 
you know, but but they're just going up against this this group of you know almost no name, uh, who's ever heard of them type of uh, villains. Yeah, with Nitro being one of them. Mm-hmm. Now Nitro was an old Captain Marvel villain, um, and he bl- blows things up real good. And uh, unfortunately, through the uh, New warriors attacking this group of villains, something happens. Yeah, it's really rather careless, and I believe it is named Marita, who's got Nitro pinned and fights him right outside, and you see him, you know, she slams him right into a school bus outside of a school. Just completely reckless, unthinking of what could potentially happen. And he turns, says to her, you're playing with the big boys now, and ignites. Nitro has the ability to detonate himself like a bomb. And 600 are counted amongst the dead. And, of course, right there at a school. So children are dead. So suddenly the the climate changes with a major event because this is superpowered people who now they keep taking it upon themselves to deal with these things. And they are untrained and they're, they made a huge mistake and innocent people died. Right. And this the, the most powerful thing to where I could sympathize with Iron Man at the beginning of this. As when Tony Stark goes to the funeral, a mass funeral for all these kids, and a mother of one of the boys spits in his face and says, this is your fault. You and your Avengers, all these people think they can do what you do. And they come out there and they screw up and innocent people are going to pay the price. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and even just before the funeral, um, the heroes, the Avengers are there helping to clean up. Mm-hmm. You know, from this disaster. And I remember Cap is very upset that this was all due to a TV show. Yeah. You know, that, you know, ultimately it was a TV show. People weren't being as careful as they should have been. And it's led to this entire disaster. And it changes the face that the uh, Superhuman Registration Act is pushed through Congress and immediately signed by the president. Exactly. Now, um you know, later on in that issue, we see uh, a group of the heroes gathered together at ba- the Baxter Building. Mm-hmm. For anyone who doesn't know, the Baxter's Building is the building headquarters of the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Now, um, one thing I didn't mention is just before this, uh, or, or maybe even concurrently with this, um, you one of the examples of the public rage against the heroes and what's happened at Stanford is that Johnny Storm, of all people, mm-hmm. is attacked. He had nothing to do with what was going on in Stanford, but he's one of the quote-unquote heroes, and he falls into a coma because of uh, this attack. From civilians, even. Exactly. Outside of a nightclub, he's meeting a girl there for a date like he does, and you know, and he's trying to talk to him and everything, but they hit him in the head with a bottle, get him down, and just commence to beat the tar out of him. Mm-hmm. Or literally, you can say they beat the fire out of him. <laughs> Just about, just about, you know, and I have to assume it must be happening not too long after this, uh, you know, this meeting at the Baxter building is happening too long after Johnny's been put in this coma. It's yeah. mentioned and it's known about, um, but you've got everyone from Wolverine to uh, Jessica Drew Spider Woman to Cyclops, uh, heck, even uh, uh, Hank Pym as Yellow Jacket is there. Yeah. Uh, the Young Avengers are there. It, it's Heavy discussion. It's everybody. It's like the entire Marvel Universe showed up. <laughs> Just about. But you know who isn't there? Now i got to go look at the pages. Who isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Captain America. True. And where is Captain America at at this time? On a shield herald carrier, and the shield agents are pretty much saying, oh, well, you know you're going to have to help us hunt down all any hero that doesn't register, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Maria Hill, who's... Uh, ah, excuse me, in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D., 
Yeah, she's the director she's, of Shield. Where was yeah, Nick Fury during this? They mentioned um, him, but I don't know what happened to him. He uh, this is after Secret War, if I recall. I thought this and was he, right before the Secret War because it was the Secret War with the the scrolls came out of hiding. Oh no no no! no that's no. Secret Invasion. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Secret War was Nick Fury taking Wolverine, Spider-Man, Daredevil, and uh, I think there's at least one or two other heroes, and they invade Latveria, but they have absolutely no sanction to do so, and as a result, at the end of the storyline, um, Nick Fury has gone to ground. Ah, okay, and for anyone who doesn't know, Latveria is the kingdom of Dr. Victor Von Doom. Exactly. And, you know, Doom was not in charge at that time. There was uh, another individual, a, a woman whose name escapes me. But uh, it, was, it was serious enough that Nick Fury felt that she was such a significant threat she needed to be taken down. Unfortunately, they failed. Hmm. You know, that's, but, there's some comics I really should go find. Because the, <laughs> everybody's familiar with Secret Wars, but this is the mm-hmm. Secret War. I completely missed it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it would be good. But, uh, you know, on the helicarrier, Maria Hill is expecting Cap to play ball, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. Because he usually uh, does. It, <laughs> mm-hmm. Except you for know, he and, had quit being Captain America a few times when he got mad at what they were doing. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, what in, – in the book, this sequence kind of reminds me of Cap escaping from the Triskelion <laughs> in Winter Soldier. Yes. I know it inspired that scene in the movie. It had to have. Mm-hmm. Oh, all that's missing is him saying, all right, if any of you all want to back out of this, <laughs> now's your chance. Because <laughs> if I start going, you're all going down and it's going to hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and he does uh, jump out of the helicarrier. He lands on top of a jet and he tells the, you know, the pilot of the jet happens to, well, use some language. <laughs> and Cap speaks up and says, keep flying, son. And watch that potty mouth. <laughs> yeah. And the cool part about it is that when he lands on the jet, he takes the shield and slams it in the cockpit so he has some way to secure himself on the jet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just awesome. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's surfing on the jet. Yes. It's so cool. But uh, meanwhile, back at the Baxter building, they do get another visitor. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Now, this is interesting how this is developed uh, when you read Amazing Spider-Man. With the registration he knows is coming through and he knows it's going to pass, uh, he, he has a conversation with uh, Mary Jane and Aunt May. He says, you know, I have protected – because part of the – with the registration, there, there are some good stuff to it, is that you are needed to register yourselves with the American government and with S.H.I.E.L.D. and submit to training. Mm-hmm. So they could, they wanted to take all those, you know, reckless heroes and give them some proper training. And also, you know, you get on a payroll. You're given actual authority for your actions. But the mm-hmm. problem with that could be they also might – when you want to go and say, oh, hey, this villain needs to go dealt with this, they also have the ability to say, no, you're not going. Right. And that's one of the problems with the law other than the fact that you have to enforce it and you're going to imprison everybody who doesn't comply. And so mm-hmm. he's talking to MJ and and, and, uh, and Aunt May. He says, you know, I have protected my identity and, and, and uh, Tony actually had asked him not just to reveal himself to the government but to unmask publicly because he thought it would help with sentiment or something. It seemed mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous. Like it's not necessary. The whole world doesn't need to know who he is, just the government. And he's within the law and making mm-hmm. him go publicly, you know, it scares him to death. And he, he says, you know, I've, I've kept this so secretly. And the reason why it's such a secret is if they knew who I was, they could come right. All, I have so many enemies that take everything personally. They will come straight for you too. 
Exactly. Well, and we probably ought to mention Aunt May does know that Peter is Spider-Man at this right. point. Which was and, awesome. And, I, it was about flipping time. <laughs> and and I love the way that she dealt with learning that information. But that's another story for another time. Yeah. And actually, that's what leads into what Aunt May says to him. MJ is saying, you know, I think you could step up to do this. But Aunt May says, you know, when I found out you were Spider-Man, I was angry. And not because you had lied to me all these years. I was angry at the way other people looked at you. Because I knew the Spider-Man now was my nephew. I knew he was a good man. And by if you unmask, everybody will get to see the hero you really are. So Aunt May and MJ are actually the ones that tell Peter, go ahead and unmask. We are willing mm-hmm. to take the risk because you deserved to be respected as a hero. Kind of a different reaction than uh, Ultimate Aunt May when she found out about Peter. <laughs> yeah, she flipped out. I remember oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was mad. <laughs> well, uh, but getting back to the story here, Peter wasn't the only, um, you know, Spider-Man wasn't the only unexpected guest that turned up. There was another one. Let's see, because I remember Spider-Man suddenly came from the outside of the window. Oh, the mm-hmm. Watcher, though, makes an appearance. Exactly. Uh, Doctor Strange, ref- uh, well, actually, Jessica Drew says, am I the only one here who can see a big dome-headed guy staring at everybody? <laughs> And Doctor Strange says his name is the Watcher Spider-Woman, and he only appears to record moments of great change and enormous upheaval. Mm -hmm. His presence now does not bode well. (laughs) Now, Uatu does show up a little later in the series as well, and I'm sure we'll uh, highlight that when it happens. Yeah. But, uh, you know. After this uh, meeting is when the Registration Act gets signed and becomes law. Yep. And the very first thing you see, Tony Stark has a press conference. He's got that mother that's been in his face on his side. He has befriended her and say, you know, hey, you know what? She's right. We need to be held accountable for these type of things. We need to have everybody trained. And if that means I have to go public with everything. Oh, by the way. And here's Spider-Man who pops off that mask and says, hi, my name's Peter Parker. And I've been Spider-Man since I was age 15. J. Jonah Jameson passes out. He is mad as heck because Spider-Man, oh, yeah. who he has hated all this time, has been right under his nose all these years. Here comes the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. I well, mean, and you know, upheaval and change. It starts instantly on Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, earlier in issue two, Jonah, you know, he he's he wants this uh, registration passed. Yeah, it's he he gets his wishes as the act passes, and superheroes have to, uh, you know, register to, you know, show that they are heroes and. Or at least what his definition of a hero. Yeah, because they are unmasked, they are public, they are on payroll, they have authority. I mean, overall, a lot of stuff that sounds good on the surface. Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly, certainly. But you know, his reaction—he's uh, just flabbergasted. I think <laughs> Jay Jonah, in his own way, considers himself a father figure to Peter Parker. Yeah, and now this uh, big secret that he never knew. <laughs> exactly, and it's just a uh, you know completely sidelines him and his reaction is perfect um just the the way that he reacts and <laughs> i just love the way it was written <laughs> yeah you know, but uh, but uh, peter and jay jonah jameson isn't the, the only relationship that's highlighted in issue number two you've also got sue storm and uh Reed Richards. Yeah. Because Reed and, Richards is full on, man, with the uh, registration. He's all excited about all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we 
I think we also need to keep in mind Reed Richards is a member of the Illuminati, which was really only introduced about a month before Civil War was released. It's a secret society that they kind of look to the future, and this includes Doctor Strange, Tony Stark, Reed Richards, and I think some others. I can't remember everybody. Yep. Uh, Namor mm-hmm. and uh, Charles Xavier. Yeah. And they basically formed after the Kree Avenger War uh, to you know forecast what type of uh, situations may come up in the future and you know work together to be prepared to – uh, prevent it from happening. And even that is something that's uh, continued into recent history in the lead up to uh, Secret War last year uh, as they were trying to protect Earth 616 from the collapse of the multiverse. Yeah, the Secret Wars, this brown two or three or however many times they've done it. And I didn't jump into that at all because I'm just, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm reading their Disney titles, I'm reading Star Wars, but that's, that's a whole other thing. So. <laughs> But, uh, you know, uh, so and any other comments on issue two or what's um, happening with Spider-Man at this time? Well, the main thing is he uh, during a press conference. OK, so right after, you know, Peter has left this press conference and he's and uh, Tony says, well, why don't you go ahead and fly back to New York? I'm sure your family wants to see you. I've got some business to take care of here. Tony Stark continues the press conference and he says, well, any hero who has not complied is actually now if, if they try to perform any heroic acts. They are now criminals. Captain America has formed a secret Avengers and is actually gone down and they're taking down some supervillains. They're just going gangbusters now to exactly. show themselves as heroes. And so somebody asked the questions, what about Captain America? And Tony says, well, you know, I do have the help of this guy, this guy and Spider-Man, of course, is on my side. And Peter sees that and he's like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you say I'm going to help you take down Captain America? So he's he's of course upset by that. It's like, wait a minute, I, I don't, you didn't say anything that we were going to be hunting down our our friends. Mm-hmm. So when Tony Stark gets back to talk to him, you know, and this is slowly those little bits that makes Peter Parker change his mind. But he says, you know, and he goes to Tony says, you didn't say anything about this, and Tony does says to him there. So you told me that you had my back and you would stick by me through anything. Mm-hmm. Now are you going back on this promise? Are you changing your mind? And, you know, that's kind of what they leave it right there, you know, because Peter knows, like, you know, I'm the safest place now that I've I've outed myself is here. Because even when Peter came back, he's got press all over the place. Mr. Oh, yeah. Parker, Mr. Parker, Mr. Parker. And at one point, he wants to go out and get a little fresh air, goes out the back door of the Stark Towers with MJ to just have a little conversation. The press come around, and here comes the lone gunman wearing a Captain America shirt. After the press conference has happened, it's like, mm-hmm. how dare you come against Captain America? Whips that gun out. And here's the thing where I didn't realize he had the organic webbing because I'd missed those issues previously. Yeah. Peter webs the guy's gun. The guy pulls the trigger. The gun explodes, blows a couple of guys' fingers off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but see, now he knows, okay, I, I have to keep going with this because they're definitely in danger because I got people who still don't like me. And now they don't like me as Peter Parker as much as they didn't like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So he's really kind of up against the wall like, okay, yeah, I got to stick with Tony and I just got to do what he tells me to do because I need to I need to be under his protection right now because mm-hmm. it's more than I can handle on my own. Yeah. So when we get into uh, was it issue two or three that we had the first real fight between heroes? Well, it, that's issue number three, and actually leading up to that, uh, you have Cap, Daredevil, uh, Luke, or I'm sorry, uh, Hercules, and Goliath sitting in a diner. Now Goliath uh, was disguise. one of the Young Avengers, wasn't he? Uh, no, no. This is actually. Um, Oh, why am I suddenly forgetting his name? Uh, he dates back to the uh, late 70s when he uh, received Hank Pym's uh, Pym Particles. 
Ah, and he grows to giant size. I exactly. His first name is Bill. Yeah, Bill, and I'm trying to remember his last Can't name. Can't think of his last name, but yeah, Goliath. And remember the name, folks. This is important. <laughs> and um, uh, but anyhow, as they're having this discussion, Pack po- or Cap points out that you know this registration act by by not complying with it, it's the little things that have been taken from them, like being able to uh, play ball with a make a wish kid. Yeah. You know, he can't do that anymore because he doesn't agree with this act and he's not going to expose himself. He can't expose himself like that. And they're all um, getting new secret identities even. Exactly. Because they exactly. were they were public, you know, because everybody knew who Daredevil was by this point. Everybody knew who Captain America was at this point. So they've got to have brand new secret identities to disguise themselves. And they do mention Nick Fury helps them out with this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Most definitely. But, uh, you know, as soon as they hear that there's a call for help – they're on their way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trying to uh, uh, drop these identities and get to work. Yeah, because it's a fire at a chemical plant, which is extremely dangerous. Oh, my goodness, all these chemicals. Mm-hmm. And I love the scene when they get there and Captain America looks down and sees this piece of metal and says, a property of Stark Industries. He goes, we've been set it up, boys. Call out General uh, or uh, Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. <laughs> Actually, I think that was Cable. Uh, yeah, noticed. I think Cable yeah. did see it first. Uh, another thing about it. <laughs> but yeah, he does yell, it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> and here comes S.H.I.E.L.D. and helicopters. Here comes Iron Man and all these other heroes. Mm-hmm. But, but of course, before they get there, uh, they take out Cloak and another character called Wiccan. They both have the capability of mass teleportation. And so they right. trank those two from the air to, na- talk th- to knock them out just in case Cap and the heroes decide, get out, teleport. Mm-hmm. I love this scene because Tony comes down and talks to him, you know, man to man. It's like, okay, look, we can get complete amnesty for any action you and your secret Avengers have been doing. I mean, believe me, this this is a good thing. I've got plans for this. This is it's all going to work out just fine. You just have to sign in here. We'll all be part of the team. It'll all be great. Just, you know, what do you say? Steve Rogers sticks his hand out to shake Iron Man's hand and plants a little device on the armor that shorts it out and says, you know, your speech is real nice, Tony. But if you wanted to really talk, you shouldn't have taken out two of my guys first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, there there is a meta commentary here going on uh, as they're ch- as they're talking. Tony lifts up his mask mm-hmm. and he says the public doesn't want masks and secret identities. They want to feel safe when we're around. And there's no other way to win back their respect. This is five years after 9-11. Yeah, and this was supposed to be commentary on the Patriot Act. Exactly. Exactly. And so there, there is a meta commentary here. You know, do we want safety and security or do we want to, you know, maintain our freedom? And that's really, you know, what this is all about. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, a, you know, Cap uh, booby traps Tony. <laughs> yeah, in a that's handshake. pretty cool. <laughs> But then, oh, it, the fight is on at that point. Uh, and I, I love how Spidey gets into this and, uh, Cap throws that shield and Spider-Man doing the signature thing, webs that shield. And I think this is where they thought of it, maybe for the movie. Mm-hmm. He webs that shield and says, Hey, you know what? You could hurt somebody with that. He slings the, the shield around on a web and takes out about two or three guys on Cap's side with it. And it's like, see, look, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he proved a point. It's just, I love it just because that's what Spider-Man does. <laughs> well, and he has that butt kicking button. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the booby trap that uh, Cap planted actually shut down the Iron Man armor. Mm-hmm. And so Tony, Tony's got a, you know, he's taken out of action and has to reboot. Um, 
but once he does, he's going straight for Cap. Oh, yeah. And it is on like Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. But the secret move here isn't to say, underoos, and here comes Spider-Man. It's like, okay, bring it, and here comes Thor. Now, here's the weird thing. Okay, I, they, they talk about they thought Thor was dead. Mm-hmm. Now, are they talking about the uh, the second Thor, like the guy who had the big blonde beard? Did he die or something? No, they, they are talking about Thor. Thor, Thor, Thor. Thor, Thor, Thor. Thor. Yeah, Thor Oldenson. Uh, uh, there had been a storyline about a year and a half, maybe two years previously, called Thor Ragnarok. And basically the entire uh, Thor or uh, Norse pantheon disappeared. Ooh, okay. So I missed out on that one. I so that's what the Thor Ragnarok movie yeah. is going to be then. <gasps> could, it could be. Now, um, uh, a few issues before Civil War began. Yolnir landed in the southwestern desert. Interesting, huh? You know, out of nowhere. And there's actually a uh, battle between uh, who's going to claim it, who's going to have it. And, it, you know, fantastic. it took place in the Fantastic Four title. And, of course, Dr. Doom gets involved. He wants to capture the might of Mjolnir. Um, but that was all a lead-up to this issue where all of a sudden we've got Thor coming back from the dead. Yep, but unfortunately, it is a cyborg Thor. He's got DNA of Thor, but he's got metal inside, and he's supposed to program to behave like Thor and not use lethal force, which unfortunately doesn't seem to work as he kills Goliath. Exactly. Fight's over. Everybody's like, what the heck? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it's, you know, no one is expecting it to have come to this, and especially for to be Goliath who's killed. Yeah. My goodness. And this, this is where it gets interesting, where you see Sue Storm, who has trying to support her husband, even though she you can tell she doesn't like it. She helps the Secret Avengers escape. She puts up a force field as Thor is just coming after her. He's going to kill again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So after they get away, Reed goes over and says some sort of... Now, people who have seen the movie know this significant a worded code sequence of words that shuts down the Thor cyborg Richard Wagner 1813 to 1883 but <laughs> he's down mm-hmm. but there there is they actually use this in the Captain America Civil War movie very cool hmm they don't use it on Thor, though. But, yes, it's significant. I don't want to spoil anything for you there. Eric, Eric hasn't seen okay. it yet. And, I, and those of you who haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it for you. But it's kind of cool that they do use something like that. Uh, so now, now that Peter Parker has seen that, he's even more questioning what he's really doing. Right. Although Aunt May and Mary Jane keep assuring him, no, no, you've done the right thing. We are so proud of you. You're a full legal. You're getting paid to be a hero, and people are starting to come around, and you just got to stick with it. You got to stick with it. We're so proud of you. Yeah, and, and you know, he, he says, I thought you said you knew what you were doing, Tony. Mm-hmm. I thought we were doing this so no one else got hurt. Yeah. And in the panel after Spider-Man says that, guess who shows up? I don't remember. It's Uatu again. Oh, yes. Oh, that's right. And he's got that sad look on his face. Just exactly. looks miserable. Exactly. Ah, yes. yes. Well, and, uh, the one thing I do kind of like, though, that happens next is uh, Tony Stark. I mean, because Goliath is stuck in giant mode. And they say it t- it's going to take eight funeral, funeral plots or burial plots to bury him. Tony fronts the money, pays for the whole thing. Right. 
And it just tries to show he's he's making a lot of mistakes, but he's well-intentioned and he's willing to pay for his mistakes. Mm-hmm. But he after after meeting the mother of that child, he's still so passionate about this and so convinced that he's doing the right thing. Well, and, and actually, I kind of disagree with you there. I think Tony is about ready to put an end to this and walk away from it. But it's when Miriam Sharp, this mother, right. shows up. Um, she comes to him and basically hands Tony a toy that her son oh, had. yeah. An Iron Man toy. And she says, I wanted to give you this. My son Damien's favorite toy since he was three years old. Just to remind you why you're doing this. Yeah, and that's what reignites that passion that Tony had for the the law. Exactly. Because, yeah, that's right. He did start to kind of question, like, I never meant for it to go this far. And, woo. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's at this point that Sue makes the decision to join the resistance. Yep. She She leaves, and her brother, after he's recovered, goes with her. Thing and, in the meantime, uh, and I do have some issues. I know where I can't remember what Thing was up to, but he has left it at this point too. Yeah, he's, well, he's trying to go into hiding. He does make an appearance though. Mm-hmm. Well, he makes an Anson appearance. Street. Yeah, he makes an appearance there. Um, but yeah, he ends up uh, going to Paris. And one of the mm-hmm. things that he says is, you know, oh golly, he was making a joke about the River Seine, about how the river's the only this the only sane thing there, <laughs> or sane thing that he knows. And I just completely botched that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but uh, at, at this point, um, the registration uh, takes on a few new allies. Yeah, there's some people after seeing what happened to Bill that uh, that leave Cap's team. Some of the Young Avengers to say, look, this is not worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go sign up. <laughs> and there's a few people on Iron Man's team that said, no, 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 no. We didn't expect this to go this far. We're out. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yep. But no, I, I'm talking about some brand new allies that um, uh, kind of come from an unexpected corner of the Marvel Universe. Oh, yes. The uh, new Thunderbolts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, who, do you know who's making up the Thunderbolts at this time? Uh, now, uh, this Venom that they show, I believe, was actually Matt Gargan, the, firm, yep. the former Scorpion, and they exactly. gave him the Venom symbiote. The, the interesting thing about this team of Thunderbolts is eventually they'll become known as the Dark Avengers. They're mm-hmm. like mirrored copies of like the new Avengers team. They're, they start referring to this new Venom as Spider-Man. Uh, they have, you know, a, it turns out Wolverine had a son, who knew, who's kind of more evil, and they, they start calling him Wolverine, you know, stuff like that. But they start... Before there was this big movie of Suicide Squad coming, Marvel has had Thunderbolts. Oh, yes. And I will even uh, mention for anyone who's in the know, Helmet Zemo, I believe, was also led the Thunderbolts at some point. Yep. Uh, the, the original incarnation of the Thunderbolts. Uh, mm-hmm. Baron Zemo led them um, as uh, – oh, what's his name? Citizen V. I'm not familiar with Citizen V. Yeah, well, that, that's the name that he used as oh, I see. hero in disguise. I uh, see. You had uh, Screamy Mimi as Songbird. You had Moonstone as, oh, golly. Uh, but, yeah, it's basically a team of villains disguised mm-hmm. as heroes uh, with the intention of posing as heroes but still uh, do their nefarious things as the masters of evil. Yeah, basically, they're they're basically on the payroll to go and hunt down unregistered heroes. Mm-hmm. Which, and, like, and that, yeah, you know, you know, 
pull our arm, you know? <laughs> yeah. And at this time, you've got, you know, like we said, uh, the Mac Gargan version of Venom. We've Radioactive got, Man. Uh, mm-hmm. Radioactive Man, Bullseye, mm-hmm. Taskmaster, mm-hmm. Uh, Lady Deathstrike. Uh, Jack-o'-lantern. Mm-hmm. Jack-o'-lantern. Um, uh, and, oh, what is the other guy? He pops up in, because uh, he, he's one of the two that uh, nearly killed Spider-Man. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head, and his name isn't coming to me. Yeah, I can't remember. Let me but, see if I can uh, just it. it's probably issue five here of the. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because and now this is an interesting thing, and I'll, I'll get to this here in a bit. But there's some massive differences. Uh, here it goes: Jack O' Lantern and uh, the Jester. That's it, the Jester. The Jester both show up to take out Spider-Man. Now this is interesting that this this is kind of where they contradict with what's going on actually in Amazing Spider-Man with this issue. Now, working up to this moment, and I know we got to get moving with it, so, but briefly, uh, with all the heroes that they did manage to capture in that first skirmish, they're trying to haul them to across in New York. It doesn't go completely as planned. Oh, oh and I got to talk about this, this great scene that uh, I, mean, I believe this mainly just happens in Amazing Spider-Man. I don't think this is in a Civil War book where Captain America fights with Spice against Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's great because basically you're getting the running commentary in Spider-Man's head of just uh, the admiration that he, that he has for Captain America when he shows up and Captain America just says, Peter, I know you and I know that you know this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I, through the time that I've known you, you have earned my respect. And Peter's just thinking, of all the things I've really wanted, it was this man's respect. And now, unfortunately, I'm going to lose his respect forever. And he mm-hmm. starts the fight. But he still has the admiration he has as Captain America is just out fighting him and outclassing him and one step ahead. And even at one point that Cap throws the shield and Spider-Man is like, ha, he's got to know that this isn't going to work. And he's jumped out of the way and he turns his back to Captain America to web the shield down onto the ground. And then he realizes, wait a minute, I think he wanted me to turn his back on him and Cap's on him some more. But the, the one thing that saves Spider-Man is the Iron Spider suit has these weird mechanical arms, comes out. He actually scratches Captain America's face. But then, you know, I can't remember what happens, but, you know, fight's over. Everybody's leaving. But, but the part of this that is important to me is Spider-Man notices, like, just some, you know, random punk people or whatever come. And they're like, oh, man, Captain America's shield, this could be valuable. And they're trying to pull the webbing off of it. So Spider-Man scares those guys off because he can be creepy. He's a spider. He mm-hmm. takes the shield and he puts it up high on the alley wall, and webs it up there. And he says, like, I know Steve will come back for this. And when he does, he'll see where I've put it and he'll know that it was me. And he knows he'll know that I do respect the shield and what he stands for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that gesture. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, that does lead us to Spider-Man making the decision to join the resistance and leave. Yep. Registration group. The major linchpin is okay. So where are we hauling all these heroes? We're collecting. Oh yes, this is what, and it happens in an Amazing Spider-Man issue, mm-hmm. where he's he's he can't sleep. He's up all night, and he goes to Tony. He says, "All right, you told me I'm your right hand man," and he even hears a news report that the uh, what is it? The Baxter Foundation. Either way, it's Reed Richards Company and Tony Stark's company. Uh, because they've got the contracts to build this super prison, they mm-hmm. stand actually to make a lot of money out of it, and it doesn't right. sit well. So Peter goes to Tony and actually asks him, I'm your right-hand man. I should be allowed to see this prison. Where are we taking everybody? Mm-hmm. Now, would you like to tell everybody about the negative zone? 
The Negative Zone was discovered by the Fantastic Forum. It is the home of Annihilus. Uh, I believe Blastar is from there as well. Uh, it is another dimension, and uh, basically it's not a good place to hang out. Yeah. And that's where they build a prison. Exactly. Uh, which can only be accessed through the uh, Baxter building, I believe. Uh, yeah, because I believe that's where that portal was, because he does take him over to the Baxter building, and they go through the portal, and Tony's giving him a tour and trying to show him, like, no, we're, we're going to treat everybody well. I mean, these are our friends, and uh, the conversation turns sour when, uh, when you know, Spidey's just like, well, you know, this is only temporary, right? And Tony mm-hmm. tells him flat out, says, well... This is going to be permanent for anyone who decides not to register. If they change their mind and they register, they get right out of here. But otherwise, they are staying here for the rest of their natural lives. Mm-hmm. And Peter says, wait a minute. What about a trial? Yeah. This is not that type of place, Peter. I mean, it doesn't work that way anymore. I, I know it's not good. I don't really like it, but that's the world we live in. But wait a minute. She-Hulk is a lawyer. W- wouldn't she be opposed to that? Actually, she is right now trying to work to find a way around this law. So, I mean, we're working on that. But it really doesn't sit well with Peter. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where it contradicts issue five. Issue five of Civil War has Spider-Man in full gear, and he just is telling Iron Man, I'm leaving the Avengers. Don't try to stop me. Mm-hmm. And that's the, they have this conversation, and Peter just escapes out the, out the window. Oh, they, and, they, they do have a bit of a fight. They do have a bit of a fight, yes. But compared to what happens in Amazing Spider-Man, where when they come back, Tony tells Peter, I want you to go to Los Angeles for a while. Uh, I got some things you can do there, but I think you just need to get away from the situation for a little bit. Don't worry. I'll make sure MJ and Aunt May are, are fine. They're, they're going to, they'll be here in the Stark building. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, Oh, well, sure. Just let me take care of a few things. And, uh, Peter goes to, to Aunt May and, and MJ and says, uh, look, um, I'm leaving. Uh, I, I can't do this anymore. And you guys are going to have to go somewhere and hide because you're going to be considered an accomplice and they can hunt you too. Mm-hmm. And they hear, and I love this, you know, the iron spider suit can be worn at all times and it can camouflage so where he can, he can be wearing it and you don't see it on him. Right. So he can trigger it in a moment, but you, in the comics, you just have this thoom, 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 thoom. And it proves that Tony Stark can hear everything that Peter says when he's got that suit on. He knows everything. He's spying on him. It's a, it's a manner of control. And that thum we're hearing is Iron Man busting through his own walls, coming. And how, how Spider-Man actually goes through that window is not the, haha, I've escaped, I got away. It's Iron Man blasting him through that window and taking him down to street level. And they're going to duke it out right there, out in the mm-hmm. street. Now, the only thing that does stay similar is in both Civil War and in Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man does manage to escape down through some sewers. But there's a really interesting incident where Iron Man does do something to shut down the Iron Spider suit with verbal codes. And Peter says, do you actually think that I wouldn't know how to counter that? He says something himself that reactivates the suit. He says, that's Mm. not going to work, Tony. But, you know, he does escape. And this is where what we were talking about, Jack O'Lantern and the Jester showed up in the sewers in Civil War, but that you don't see that happen in Amazing Spider-Man. In Amazing Spider-Man, you at no point see that Peter has been hurt in any fashion. Yet in the Civil War comic, he's nearly killed, and the Punisher manages to save him by, of course, killing Jack O'Lantern and the Jester uh, and bringing him to the Resistance where they nurse him back to health. But they talk about having multiple contusions and broken bones and all this stuff, and like, that doesn't add up. To what's happening in Amazing Spider-Man, or for that matter, any other Spider-Man book where they've got a whole unmasked storyline where every Spider-Man villain has come out of the woodwork to take him out now that they know who he is. Mm -hmm. But according to the Civil War comics, he's nearly dead. Mm -hmm. 
bugs the daylights out of me. <laughs> well, it's kind of like uh, when Mary James' arm got broken and it's addressed in a later issue of uh, New Avengers by Tony saying, oh, by the way, I was able to uh, repair Mary James' arm uh, that quickly by having some special techno babble available to uh, repair her arm. <laughs> and then both Tony and Peter break the fourth wall and look out at the readers with a look that says, there, are you happy now? <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, at the Resistance, though, we do learn that there is a traitor in their midst. Dun, dun, dun. And did you see who that happens to be? And I she's agree. Full, exactly. Now, she's fully revealed uh, in the next issue, but you can see her with a phone, uh, possibly speaking into it, but definitely sending information. It's even a stark phone. Ah, I didn't see that yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> But it's kind of interesting with Tiger when we talk about that she's being revealed because she's got the most revealing. She's running around in a bikini. <laughs> the only way she's not looking naked is because she's like got tiger stripes. And I, I don't know if she's supposed to be furry or something. You know, she's got a tail. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, she's got the most revealing quote unquote superhero. She just went to the five and dime and bought herself a black bikini and said, this is my superhero costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> Uh, we also learn uh, that Reed is starting to have some misgivings about uh, everything that's happening. Yeah. And uh, we learn about these as they're, as the registration has taken another prisoner. Interesting again that uh, nobody's getting a trial considering who they have uh, arrested. And who would that be? Uh, one uh, individual who happens to be known as Daredevil, a.k.a. <laughs> Matt Murdock. Yeah. And I think also some of the doubts Reed Richards has, as uh, I believe it was it Spider Man who actually had talked to him about some of the stuff, because uh, he, he talks a little bit about Reed Richards' uh, uncle. He had a favorite uncle who uh, didn't quite comply with some things, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he basically I think he got arrested like the McCarthy things or something. Yeah, we'll yeah, about yeah. That. And yeah. that's that just kind of adds into the doubts Reed Richards is having about all this, where yeah, the I- heroes are turning each other in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's, he's asking, is it our own people that are the only ones causing problems? And he's speaking, of all people, to Jennifer Walters, the other major attorney within you know, the Marvel superhero universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says, sometimes I wish we'd never gotten involved. Do you ever stop to think how much easier things would be if we hadn't spliced Thor's DNA with Hank Pym's cybertech? If we didn't <laughs> yeah. have this big final battle planned with all those Thunderbolt lunatics? Hank wouldn't be doped up on antidepressants, and my darling Sue would never have left. Yep. But uh, with, kind of through Daredevil's uh, other senses, we get introduced to this uh, prison in Mm -hmm. the naked zone. And actually, I was wrong. The portal is uh, on Rikers Island rather than the Baxter building. Oh, okay. And they called it Area 42. Exactly. Which, because it was the 42nd idea on the list of ideas that Tony Stark had had that they're going through in sequence, we shall find out later. Mm-hmm. Now, Tony is explaining to Daredevil, look, this isn't what we want to do. Um, nobody wants to put you in a jail. Um, and Daredevil actually gives Tony a silver dollar. And Tony asks, I don't understand. Daredevil kind of looks over his shoulder and says, Guess that's 31 pieces of silver you've got now, huh? Boom. Drop the mic. Exactly. <laughs> uh, something else I want to bring up from a Spider-Man comic. This mm-hmm. has become uh, actually a rather famous line. I've seen people uh, reprint and post this up. 
it, it fits with our modern age. But uh, Peter is talking to Captain America, and he asks, like, how do we know that we're, we're sure that we're doing the right thing? And, you know, Captain America tells him the story of the past and everything, but on this one page, and this page was so well-received, it's so well-written that they actually quote this entire page in the film. Mm. And let me read this for you. This is Captain America speaking. Doesn't matter what the press says. Doesn't matter what the politicians or the mob say. Doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else, the requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. Mm. I love that quote, and I recognize it when it was in the movie, and I almost stood up in the theater and cheered Mm -hmm. because it's there. Oh, that's good. That's really good. You'll recognize it when you hear it. And, <laughs> and this, I mean, you could, you could apply this to, to our modern age. I mean, this, it's applicable. Sometimes the whole world is going to tell you that something wrong is right. And you've got to say, no, 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 wait a minute. This is wrong. And we have to stand up and say so. Mm-hmm. Even if the presses might destroy you for it, you know, or everybody's going to turn on you. Sometimes you just have to stand up for the right thing when you know what truth is. Mm-hmm. So take that however you will. <laughs> But it's a good statement, and it really oh, yeah. gets Spider-Man fired up. He's like, "That's right. This is we're we're standing up for the right thing, even if the whole world is against me. Though none go with me, still I shall follow." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very good quote. Uh-huh. I would like to put that on a T-shirt. That, that picture that would be a very good T-shirt. Oh, there you go, Marvel. Let's, make it, make it happen. Come on, Disney. Ah, let, let let's just go to T Fury and get uh, something set up on our own there. Well, except for we don't own the artwork. <laughs> Maybe we could get somebody else to draw it, and then we can yeah. look the There you go. There you go. Well, well, this is, of uh, course, when J. Michael Straczynski, by the way, was writing Amazing Spider-Man, who was uh, one of the one of my favorite writers in the modern age. I mean, this guy used to write He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. He's a great writer. Uh, even, what is it? Was it Babylon 5 was one of his, I believe? Even? Yep, yep, yep. Which I never saw, but I would love to see, because knowing what a great writer he is, I would like to have seen what he did. Mm-hmm. But anyways... Back to the story. <laughs> All right. Well, we uh, start to see the uh, formation of the Avengers Initiative. This is a, uh, a push to get uh, a team of Avengers in every state, mm-hmm. um, and and particularly themed to their to their state as well. Yeah, they're creating new heroes out of popular people, supermodels, athletes. They're making heroes out of them, mm-hmm. giving them superpowers, which they never explain how they're giving them superpowers. Mm-hmm. But they are. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, we also see uh, Sue Storm reaching out to Namor to see if uh, Atlantis will help the resistance. And Namor just kind of says, no. Yeah. Not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So we don't expect what happens. <laughs> no. Nope. Now, uh, yeah, I'm sure you were happy to see uh, Spider-Man uh Spider-Man uh, back in his regular costume. Yeah, because he, as well. he really had to get rid of that iron armor, which makes me wonder how that iron spider suit is still in existence to where Mary Jane's about to wear it in the comics. But that's, uh, a, that's a story for another issue that's coming. I don't know when, but I might have to pick it up. That's <laughs> uh, Tony. He's always tinkering with stuff. Yeah, he probably just made another one. So. But yes, yeah, Spidey is back in his regular old red and blues again. Now, uh, the Resistance uh, knows about the prison. Mm-hmm. They're planning Spider-Man, their of course, and having inside intel. 
Exactly. Um, and since uh, you know there are bad guys joining the registration team, a few bad guys show up to join the resistance, including the Punisher. He's not really he's sort of a hero, but not a, not really. He's kind of a bad guy hero because he's a killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, anti-hero. Well, and and when these two uh, villains show up, uh, Diamondback <laughs> and. Uh, Are they? They're part of the Serpent Squad or something. I yeah, think, aren't they? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Plunderer, mm-hmm. Carnival yeah. Plunder. Um, well, Frank Castle certainly lets his distaste be. <laughs> He's and the Punisher. Cap, that's what he does. Exactly. And Cap lets his distaste be known. Uh huh. Oh, and I love this scene too, where Cap's just beating him down, and he says, "Fight back, you coward!" And Frank Castle, good old Punisher, just looks up and says, "Not against you." Exactly. I'm like, oh, it's like this is – and he even talks about, you know, I went to Vietnam because of you. Mm-hmm. This is my respect for you as a soldier. I'm like, wow. Mad props. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, as Spider-Man says, probably the reason he went to Vietnam. Same oh, guy, yeah. different war. Yeah. You know, Cap uh, doesn't agree with that. He says, wrong. Frank Castle is insane. <laughs> Uh, he, yeah, he is kind of insane, but it's still, you know, that there obviously that's there's that respect there, mm-hmm. and that mutual soldier thing, plus the fact that you are Captain America. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we better march ahead here. Oh yeah, uh, just just a, a note: we've got our third appearance of Uwatu this time talking with Doctor Strange. Uh, Uwatu is the Watcher, by the way. Yep, uh, and uh, then we get to the assault on the penitentiary. Oh, yes, and this is where all heck breaks loose and you have a very surprised ending to the Civil War. Oh, yes. I mean, they're at the penitentiary and the fight is on. The traitors are revealed. Yellow Jacket has actually been a double agent as well as Tiger being a double agent, you know, so opposite sides. And so they knew about each other's double agents because the double agents told each other about the double agents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the, the, the Hank Pym doppelganger has only been in uh, hiding for that day. But it turns out to be Hulkling from Young Avengers. Right. You know, he is uh, he's a, a Cree prince and he has managed, you know, he has the no, not well, Cree scroll hybrid, actually. Yeah. yeah and that scroll shift change, shift. Uh, change. Yep. He can change his shape. That's the word. Exactly. And that's how he was able to pass as Hank Pym and mm-hmm. uh, infiltrate the penitentiary. Oh, yeah. But the fight is on. And uh, this this is amazing. The cloak uh, teleports the pretty much the entire Marvel universe. Everybody who's out there fighting, he teleports everybody out into the New York streets, mm-hmm. and they are just trashing the place in this fight. Oh yes, and and you got to imagine this has got to be you know super tough for cloak because it's not just from the New York streets to Chicago. This is into the negative zone. Yeah, from the negatives. Well, I guess because there was an opening in the portal, he was able to be able to somehow use that when they mm-hmm. when they talk about it. But mm-hmm. he brings everybody out into the open, and oh my goodness! And this, uh, I if you have not seen the the cover of issue seven of Civil War, take a good look at that cover because that shot was recreated in the movie, and I recognize it. It was amazing. Ooh, I yes. uh, I wow. want a poster. <laughs> It's it was such amazing, and I recognized it. I was like, "Oh, you guys did it, didn't you?" Wow! You know, it's that uh, significance of the final battle. Here it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and and what's interesting is these are friends fighting each other. Yeah. And Cap yells out, 
Avengers assemble as they go into this battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think somebody said something was like, I didn't think we were the Avengers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, but Spider-Man, you know, once once they teleport back to New York, um, he's just doing all that he can. He's fighting against, uh, let's see here, against, well, I can see Doc Sampson and a couple of other, you know, actual bad guys. Reed Richards just looks at him and says, amazing. Spider-Man replies with, spectacular. I absolutely love that. <laughs> of course I do. Why wouldn't I? Oh, most definitely. I'm looking for that issue to find out all who he was fighting. But yes, he, he does, Spider-Man just, uh, yeah, as you said, he just does whatever he can. Oh, yeah. But uh, the, the fight continues. Um, uh, Lady Deathstrike's actually got Cap in her hand. She's ready to, uh, you know, let Bullseye kill him. And he's looking up. And Lady Deathstrike says, what's so funny, Captain? You like our little jokes? You share Bullseye's sense of humor? Cap in turn says, no. I'm just thinking about my pal up there kicking your butts into next week. And who shows up? I'm looking for it right now. Let me give you a hint. It's part of their revenge for what happened to one of the new warriors back in issue one. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm at the end of the story here. (laughs) Give you an even bigger hint. Imperious Rex! Oh, yes, Namor and his entire Atlantean army. Exactly. Yeah, that was when they showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, as revenge for what had happened to Namorita. Yeah, this, here it is where they got Cap. It's Bullseye and Venom and Lady Deathstrike. And who was this guy with the skull mask and the white? Oh, that would have to be Taskmaster. That was that what Taskmaster looks like? Okay, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure who he was. Because I do like this moment where Reed... Uh, a taskmaster is about to take a shot at Sue Storm. Reed throws him in between, throws himself in between Taskmaster and uh, and, and Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman. Takes a shot, and Sue just looks over at Taskmaster, who is freaked the heck out. She just apparently drops this huge invisible force field, just wham, right smack down him. You see this cloud of dust, and then you see this imprinted circle in the ground, and Taskmaster is just laying out in the middle mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now then this, Hercules killing the fake Thor with Mjolnir yeah. even. Well, and, and I love what he says. How darest thou wear the flesh of the Odin son? Mm-hmm. I knew Thor. He was a friend of mine. And you know something, imposter? Thou art no Thor. Yes. Big full page spread of that. <laughs> but then, of course, we cut right back into and this. I love the way this ends. Captain America has Tony Stark beaten, has him down, and, so, and, he, and he says, what are you waiting for, Steve? Finish it. And then suddenly civilians, uh, firemen, police officers, all grab Captain America and says, get away from him, hold him down, hold him down. And everybody's like, wait a minute, what are the civilians doing in here? And uh, I, and I love this. Goes, Captain says, let me go, please. I don't want to hurt you. And they say, don't want to hurt us? Are you trying to be funny? That's a little late for that, man. And that's when they, they do this great shot where you see city blocks trashed in New York and Cap looks around and sees all the damage and says, they're right. right. We're not fighting for the people anymore, Falcon. Look at us. We're just fighting. And, uh, oh, and they're like, oh, but, well, but Cap and Spider-Man even says, but we were beating them. We were winning. And uh, Cap, he's got tears in his eyes. Like, well, yeah, we're winning the fight, but we're losing the argument. Right. And so he surrenders. He said, and he takes off the Captain America mask and everything. He says, they're not going to arrest Captain America. They're going to arrest Steve Rogers. And he orders everybody to stand down. 
and says that's an order. A, a surprise ending. That's not exactly how I meant to go down, but he's right. I mean, they, them fighting in the streets isn't changing anybody's minds. Right. They're just destroying the place. And I, I, I'm, I'm waiting in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that's how things eventually will go because uh, they don't fully resolve the issue because there's there's some bigger and deeper plots that are going on. There's a lot of things going on in that that film. So that, would you uh, say that there's an infinite number of plots that need to be summed up? Yeah, and it might take two <laughs> movies to uh, really sum up the whole bits of infinity that are coming. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, though, we still have some more fun with uh, with Doctor Strange. And don't we have another Ant-Man sequel that's supposed to come out before the uh, Avengers film? And I'm pretty sure some of these issues were going to have to be dealt with in a new Ant-Man film. Mm-hmm. Oh, most definitely. Mm-hmm. There's definitely you have to tie in there because Ant-Man is involved in this. Mm-hmm. So it's going to come up. Hmm. But that was Marvel Civil War as told by the comics. And those of you who have seen the film or you've heard uh, the review, which I'm not going to rever- tell you a whole lot in the review when I record it later, uh, you'll notice some grand differences uh, like Black Panther's role. Uh, he is shown in the film that is on Iron Man's side. In the comics, uh, after having a conversation with Captain America, he does eventually join, although he's trying to keep Wakanda out of it. Mm-hmm. He says, this is an American issue. I don't want anything to do with it. You wouldn't, you know, I don't like you all interfering in my country. Why would you want me interfering in yours? Mm-hmm. But he does end up getting involved. And uh, I didn't get a chance to go back and read that issue of what Captain America said to him to get him to join. But uh, I don't think Storm quite agreed with him. You know, he had just recently married Storm, and she's a little mad at Iron Man because because Tony didn't show up at the wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was too busy with something else. Uh, and mostly the mutants uh, are all very much opposed to the thing because they've been trying to avoid being registered by the government for decades, you know? Right, right. In fact, there there's a very distinct lack of mutants within the overall storyline for Civil War. Yeah. Cable is in it for uh, a short time and uh, in some of the ancillary books, uh, Wolverine is very involved in tracking down Nitro and finding out what yeah. happened to him. But for the most part, the event, the, the mutants aren't part of this this fight. Yeah. But they do have some specific stories within X-Men books because, you know, Bishop is very militaristic. Oh, yes, yes, and- yes. He uh, kind of agrees with the whole thing, and he actually is like almost a traitor to the X-Men. He's helping keep the X-Men in check, who are currently stuck on their own compound with sentinels that are manned by military, shield agents, manning these sentinels around their compound. They're prisoners, which actually does remind me of something that happens in the movie that I will not say. Not that there's mm-hmm. sentinels involved, but someone being interred into their home does happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, but... Parallels. Oh, yeah. Going back to uh, the end of Civil War, uh, we do see the heroes uniting together to clean up after this fight. Mm-hmm. We see the progression of the mighty Avengers and the Avengers Initiative rolling out across the U.S. Yep. Um we see Spider-Man taking on his black costume. Yep. Oh, and there's good reason for that. Oh, most so definitely. While a lot of this is going on, he's got MJ and Aunt May in this, you know, sleazy hotel, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hiding away. The Kingpin from prison uses his connections and hires a hitman and says, you know, if you can't get Peter Parker, I don't care if you kill a, few, a couple collaterals while you're waiting to see if he shows up. Mm-hmm. This man takes a shot and hits Aunt May. Mm-hmm. And 
we that's, go back that's in a black. Whole, yeah, he puts on that black costume and he's going for a vengeance. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other story, but that that sets off a dominoes of events where you have one new day happens as they make a deal. Him and MJ make a deal with Mephisto, basically the devil. Yes. That say, okay, fine. So our our wedding and none of that ever happened if Aunt May lives. Mm-hmm. And that's the deal because Mephisto, what he gets out of it is like, you both are going to know that you missed out on something great, but you won't know what it was. Right. And they've later tried to fix it and say, oh, well, they lived together all this time. Mm. And, yeah. 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 They just lived together because the wedding would have been problematic. They, they, they try to explain it away to make it fit in history. And part of the deal also is, well, this isn't the deal with Mephisto, but Spider-Man went to Doctor Strange to make everybody forget his identity, too. Mm-hmm. So they're doing all this backpedaling, trying to get things back to some sort of normal, uh, taking Mary Jane out of the mix wrecking everything although there was some really good stories in there for a while during the brand new day and it was very compelling mm-hmm. but it was the beginning of just coming up with things that just wreck everything that you might have loved about spider-man of changing some things keeping some stuff you loved ahead of time but then you know later you have the superior spider-man incident and now you have him as worldwide spider-man and he's basically tony stark and it has a weird glowing spider on his chest that even in the comics i've seen him say uh i don't know why it glows <laughs> well you know for my part i'm really enjoying the current run of spider-man so we'll disagree there yeah. He's but, just uh, not the same guy. And, and I get that. I yeah. definitely get that. Now, but Spider-Man wasn't the only uh, one to have a serious change to a status quo coming out of Civil War. Tony Stark became the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yes. That was huge. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, unfortunately, that kind of dissolved when it was found that scrolls were starting to invade the Earth yeah, through a secret invasion. invasion. Uh, and uh, led ends up leading to the rise of um, the Dark Osborne. Avengers and Norman Osborn, as you had mentioned earlier. The head of S.H.I.E.L.D., Norman Osborn? Everybody just seems to forget. That's the Green Goblin, for crying mm-hmm. out loud. But certainly there is a state of distrust yeah. within the superhero community following Civil War. Uh, the, the Fantastic Four were fractured. Reed and yep. Sue left. Uh, they were replaced for a time by uh, T'Challa and Storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, led to you know some really interesting stories, eventually leading to the formation of the Future Foundation, which I think right. was also a, a great change uh, in that status quo later on. Yeah, I gave um, it out for, for Spidey, too, because he joined it. Exactly. And then probably the biggest thing coming out of um, Civil War, uh, is it okay to talk about a 10-year-old spoiler? I think so. Okay. Uh, in the next issue of Captain America, as he is walking up the steps to court, he is shot mm. by Sharon Carter and dies. Yep. At least that's what they think happened. <laughs> as it but, goes further, we find out Crossbones was actually behind the whole thing. But they made Sharon Carter even think that she did it. Yes. Oh. And Ooh. But this gives way for Bucky to take on the mantle of Captain America. Which was pretty cool. And this yeah. is also where you find out that Bucky and the Scarlet Witch kind of have a, or not Scarlet Witch, but I mean the Black Widow kind of have a little thing going on. Mm-hmm. A little something, something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I don't know how the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of Civil War ends, 
I understand that there are a couple of significant deaths, so I'll be interested to see what happens when I view it. But coming out of Civil War, it was – Well, OK. There is, there is a, a major character that dies fairly early on. Mm-hmm. But, but it's just uh, to kind of resolve something, just kind of get something out of the way, really. So. But but again, you know, I'll, I'll hopefully I will get the chance to see it this week. Mm-hmm. Um, cross my fingers. Yep. And <laughs> but, I, I tell you what, nothing will be the same. Mm-hmm. Well, and that certainly <laughs> was the case. That certainly was the case with Civil War in the comics. Yep. And we're only beginning to see what Sony's going to do now that they, they still have the film rights to Spider-Man and he's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're just beginning to see what Spider-Man's going to be going on because uh, his appearance in the film, you do kind of see that inexperience mm-hmm. uh, going on because you can see him reacting with his spider sense because he'll look at what's about to hit him right before it happens, but he doesn't hasn't gotten himself where he's re- able to get out of the way, you know. Well, so, I, I I just can't wait until uh, we get Spider-Man more or Spider-Man, Spider-Man Sadie Hawkins Day. Oh, <laughs> because the next Spider-Man movie will be called Homecoming. <laughs> Which they say there's a good reason for that, so we'll find out. All right. All right. We better wrap this up. <laughs> well, hey, again, um, you know, Civil War has a lot of detractors, a lot of people who enjoyed it as well. It's uh, still a controversial story within the Marvel Universe. I appreciate the time I had to chat with you about this today. Oh, yes. And it was fun getting to read. So reread. I wish I'd have had time to reread every issue of everything. Cause I, this oh, is yeah. the only Deadpool comics I actually have is in the Civil War. <laughs> Well, I and, think and, him and Cable ended up at odds again, you know. Well, and you know, there, there's so much more that happens in those ancillary books. We find yeah. out what happened to the survivors, uh, the new warriors. Um, Speedball. Speedball oh, the, the storyline between Sp- Speedball is just heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he feels responsible for the whole thing. Exactly. And Ooh. it leads to a major change in his status quo for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we follow see- Ben Urich around. Mm-hmm. Uh, get to see what the media is doing. Uh, Heroes for Hire. Uh, I mean, so many just side teams that has significant roles and how this affected them. Just exactly fantastic. And then uh, I believe Damage Control has a role with Civil War as well. I need to go back and look into that a bit more. But yeah, too bad. You do, have they ever gotten their own book? They probably should because it would be interesting. I hear they're they're working on one. Maybe a, a maybe a, a television series. Yeah, and that's what I've heard as well. Uh, if only to at least see the bulldog. That would be great, but uh, you know, it's uh, you know, again, it was a big change for the status quo in the Marvel universe, and uh, we've got another civil war starting up right now within the comic books as well, uh, which yes. would be interesting to follow. Apparently, there is an Inhuman who can see into the future. Uh, today happens to be Saturday, Free Comic Book Day, and they just released the. Uh, Kind of a prequel to it. Number and zero, I believe, isn't it? Exactly. Like number zero or number one or something. And there are a couple of heroes who might not make it out alive. No telling. But, yeah, the issue here is – and it's it's minority report. If you can see the future and see who's someone who's going to be a villain or do something, should you be able to go and stop them and arrest them before they've done it? Right. And this time Iron Man is on the side of liberty or like, you know, we how, could, how do we know that this guy is always going to have it right, you know? So mm-hmm. Iron Man is actually standing against this, and Captain Marvel is leading the team, uh, saying, no, no, we should go and go after this. And Spider-Man is actually on Captain Marvel's side, hmm. which is weird because that doesn't seem to be the side that he'd be on. I mean, I can understand maybe he'd feel that responsibility to, to prevent something bad from ever happening. So I guess I can understand that. But it, I don't know. It just seems like he would kind of like, didn't this feel wrong? So mm-hmm. maybe he'll switch sides midway again. <laughs> 
Well, we shall see. We'll see. For anyone who wants to buy those issues, find your local comic shop. But Eric, it's been fun talking. We better we better shut this episode down. Alrighty, have a good one. Bye. Right, Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.